section twenty three of sir francis drake by julian corbett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter twelve drake's armada part two indeed so contrary fell the wind that a number of transports containing twenty-five companies of foot never weathered ushant at all and the generals had to continue the voyage in sadly crippled strength their instructions for unhappily they were hampered with instructions were first to destroy the remnants of the old armada and the beginnings of the new one which were said to be lying in santander and other ports on the north coast of spain then if it could be done without too seriously compromising the queen they were to proceed to lisbon and set don antonio on the throne which was supposed to be only waiting for him to take possession and the whole was to be wound up if don antonio consented with an attack on the azores and the capture of philip's indian and american fleets drake however had every reason for preferring his own intelligence to that of the government and his discovery department had reported that some two hundred sail had recently put into coruna assured that it was the first fruits of the new armada he made the foul weather an excuse for opening operations with a descent on that port on april twenty fourth the generals arrived in the road and the same night by a skilfully combined naval and military operation seized the harbour and lower town almost without a blow but little shipping was found four large galleons however including the san juan the flagship of leva the vice-admiral of the armada were made prizes or burnt and a vast quantity of stores found in the warehouses was taken and destroyed but in spite of its success the expedition was in no pleasant plight though it was in full possession of the lower town and the surrounding country the roadstead in which the fleet lay was still commanded by the guns of the upper town into which the spanish garrison had retired and to leave the anchorage in face of the prevailing foul weather was as desperate as to reduce the fortress without a siege train in backing out of her promise the queen had no doubt intended that the expedition should be thus crippled for in her womanly craving for peace she was still clinging to her fiction of a defensive war and did not wish her hopes to be compromised by offensive operations against philip's territory still between attack and retreat the choice lay and for men like drake and norris such a choice is soon made as a matter of course the more palatable cup was swallowed and in order to divert the attention of the garrison from the fleet a siege was immediately ordered and while his officers with great success raided the country round for cattle and such provisions as the warehouse did not provide norris proceeded to do his best with mining and four insufficient guns till may third under every difficulty the siege operations were continued and then while drake made a diversion with his boats in the harbour with fierce impatience an assault was delivered it was a mad attempt so inadequate were the means at the general's command that the breaches were found wholly impracticable the storming parties were repulsed with heavy loss nor had drake with his flotilla any better success by this time however the weather was abating and fearing to waste more time the two generals determined to re-embark but that was not so easy hardly was the resolution taken 
than the scouts reported that a force of some eight or nine thousand men having passed the bridge over the meru river had occupied el burgo and were entrenching themselves there in rear of the english lines thus finding themselves in the same position that sir john moore was to immortalize two centuries later like him they resolved to give battle and while drake with five regiments held the trenches and siege works norris advanced with the remaining nine over the ground where sir john moore fell though in numbers inferior to the enemy with such fury did he fling himself upon them that the entrenchments at el burgo were swept with a rush the bridge which was only wide enough for three abreast carried at push of pike and in the evening sir john norris who in doublet and hose had been fighting all day beside his brothers pike in hand marched back to drake in triumph with the royal banner of spain borne before him the victory was complete and signal the enemy had been pursued in open rout beyond the meru their loss had been very severe the country for miles round was driven and ravaged and on the eighth having fired the lower town the english re-embarked without hindrance by the light of the conflagration in spite of an alarming sickness which had broken out in the ranks drake as he led the fleet on its way was in excellent spirits we have done the king of spain many pretty services at this place he wrote walsingham and yet i believe he will not thank us indeed the loss to the spaniards in stores alone had been very great while the idea of defeating in open fight a superior spanish force entrenched on its own ground so intoxicated the commanders that orders or no orders they had no longer stomach for anything less than the invasion of portugal they had made up their minds that the spaniards were so hard hit by the defeat of the armada that it would be a mere promenade and flinging to the winds the queen's instructions about the north coast ports they sailed for peniche a port under cape carvoida some fifty miles north of lisbon the weather continued as bad as could be and as the fleet toiled slowly southward sickness spread havoc through the crowded ships on the fourth day out however they were gladdened by the sight of the long-lost swift shore essex and williams had been down as far as Cadith in search of drake and were now retracing their steps with a train of five prizes which they had picked up in drake's old hunting-ground at cape st vincent the generals had stringent orders to send home essex and put the welsh captain under arrest as soon as they met but stupid orders always sat lightly on both of them and smoothing their conscience with the consideration that they could neither spare the swift sure nor sir roger williams who had been named as norris's successor in case of accident they received the truants with open arms it was not until the sixteenth that they were able to anchor at peniche the sea was still running high an ugly surf was breaking on the beach but not a moment was lost the boats were lowered away and as they came under the fire of the castle the landing parties with essex at their head plunged into the sea and waded waist-deep to shore through the surf the garrison sallied to resist them but by a scientific flank movement from sir roger williams they were compelled to fall back and suffer the rest to land without opposition the town was carried by assault and so rapid and complete was the success that the same night the castle opened its gates to don antonio it was an encouraging omen 
for the cooperation of the pretender's partisans was of course an integral part of the general idea don antonio had every assurance that the people would rise in his support and that the appearance of the english before lisbon was to be the signal for its gates to be opened the rest depended upon the rapidity with which the english commanders could anticipate the counter-movements of the spaniards already much time had been lost and the crippled force which had reached coruna was decimated by casualties and disease waiting but a single day to land the handful of horse and refresh the men they rapidly organized a flying column and norris on the eighteenth began to move on lisbon in the early morning light drake took his stand upon some rising ground to bid godspeed to the little column as in all their bravery of corslet and morion and the ensigns of their captains pikemen and musketeers defiled before him they were but fourteen weak battalions of recruits and one poor troop of horse they had neither transport nor artillery they hardly deserve the name of army yet when we think of them with arms arust and breeches stained by the sea tramping by to salute the admiral let it never be forgotten how grave a legacy they left to british arms or of how long and glorious a procession they were the humble pioneers having taken leave of the troops and left the sick and wounded in charge of a small force at peniche drake himself went round to the mouth of the tagus where it had been arranged he was if possible to join hands again with norris and support his attack on lisbon with the fleet picking up a score or so of prizes by the way on the twenty-second he appeared in the cascais road the inhabitants fled to the mountains at his approach but on his sending ashore two of his portuguese pilots to assure them that he was there in don antonio's name they returned and although the spanish garrison refused to surrender the castle he took peaceable possession of the town having thus strangely anticipated wellington in securing a point for the re-embarkation of the army in case of accident drake sent out scouts to feel for norris they returned with the startling intelligence that he was already quartered in the suburbs of the capital and the admiral at once set about fulfilling his promise it was an operation of the gravest difficulty and danger the tagus from st julian to lisbon bristled with forts it was full of galleys the navigation was hazardous half the english crews were sick and the masters declared solemnly in council of war that the attempt was madness but drake was deaf to their prudence he had promised to meet his brother-in-arms at lisbon and formidable as he knew the batteries to be with a good wind he believed he could run the gauntlet while as for the galleys he could treat them as he had treated them before in spite therefore of every protest two-thirds of the warships were told off for the service and having equipped and armed them to the best of his ability he waited for a wind the very next evening it began to change and drake issued orders that the fleet was to weigh with the morning tide but it was not to be ere the desperate signal was floating over the revenge a messenger was standing before drake announcing that norris was in full retreat on cascais the expedition from which elizabeth's soldiers had hoped so much had failed the first of a long procession of exasperated officers they had had to learn what good allies of the enemy 
were the apathy and suspicion of the portuguese though they had marched triumphantly through torres vedras to the gates of lisbon with everything falling back before them though for three days they had occupied the suburbs of the capital in spite of every attempt of the garrison and the galleys to dislodge them though at the entreaty of don antonio they had not stolen so much as a groat or a kiss not a man had come to the pretender's standards lisbon had refused to open its gates drake had not come with the guns and stores the heat was making havoc in the disease-ridden ranks and norris had resolved in deep disgust to pass on to the third part of the enterprise as far as st julian's he was followed by a strong spanish force proclaiming loudly but at a respectful distance that they had driven the english from the walls of lisbon then all the knight-errantry of these old-world soldiers burst out in chivalrous success black john sent a trumpet on the spot to the spanish commander giving him the lie direct and challenging him to fight army to army the passionate essex defied him to single combat or a party of ten to ten and on the morrow at daybreak to make good their words they marched their broken forces back to the ground they had named to find nothing more valorous than a hastily deserted camp meanwhile drake was garnering a harvest of prizes in less than a week he had captured sixty sail of fine scandinavian vessels which in spite of elizabeth's warning were carrying contraband of war to lisbon on these all that disease and wounds had left of the army were embarked and the dutch shippers dismissed with an offer of corn for their pains now too arrived the reserve of victuals which the two generals had wrung from elizabeth and with it to temper their satisfaction a royal letter breathing such fury at their departure from her absurd instructions and such peremptory resentment against essex and williams that it was thought wise to send the truants home before the voyage to the azores was commenced on june eighth the fleet sailed to play its last card the weather was still so unsettled that alternative instructions had to be issued fixing the rendezvous at vigo or the azores according as the wind fell south or north on the second day out the wind dropped altogether and the fleet found itself becalmed before cabo Espichel. some twenty galleys which had come out of the tagus to watch the retreat now plucked up heart to attack and before the battleships could be towed to the rescue they had cut off four stragglers although they attempted nothing more it was but the first fruit of disaster for no sooner did the wind spring up then it rapidly developed into a southerly gale and scattered the fleet beyond hope having endured its fury for a whole week drake with some three squadrons which he had managed to collect put into bayona road finding no one there he sailed at once for the azores in search of his lost sheep but hearing next day that henry norris with his squadron had put into vigo he returned still no tidings could be got of edward norris and the rest but as it were to keep their hands in while they waited drake and sir john norris took and burnt vigo but now so shattered were the ships and so reduced the crews for the epidemic had never ceased its virulence that it was clear a new resolution must be taken as it was the expedition was no longer fit for service but unwilling now that he was in complete command of the sea to abandon the chance of a great blow at the spanish trade drake proposed with a score of the best ships 
and the pick of the men to organize a cruising squadron and proceed to the azores while norris took the rest home the idea finding favor instructions were given accordingly to weigh at once for the bayona road in order to carry out the reorganization but hardly were the anchors up than a westerly gale of extraordinary fury caught the fleet and threatened it with destruction though by a magnificent display of seamanship drake managed to get the bulk of it out to sea the damage done was crushing and in despair he held on with his storm-torn flock to plymouth on july first he staggered into the sound and on the morrow came norris in as evil a case as himself as for the lost squadron it was not heard of for weeks afterwards but thomas fenner was with it and others of drake's men so when it did come back no one was surprised to hear that it had reached the madeira islands and plundered porto santo End of section twenty three